Amen. I don't want to sit around and take up space. I want to be a difference maker. And so as I was praying about all these things, this thought uh, entered my mind. And so today uh, we begin a series called The Jesus Journey. Everyone say The Jesus Journey. And here's the subtitle to it. Learning to follow Jesus 24-7. Everyone say 24-7. I found out in my life as a pastor, there's a lot of what we might want to call part-time Christians. They, they, in their spare time, they serve the Lord or in their spare time, uh, they, uh, you know, do this or that for, for the kingdom's sake. But I, God is looking for people who are full time. Somebody say full time. I'm going to follow Jesus full time. Now, interestingly enough, I've been on my Jesus journey for 42 years. Whoo. Now I've been born again for over 50 years, if my math is correct. I've been a Christian for over 50 years. I got, uh, my mother led me in a sinner's prayer when I was, gosh, probably in preschool, but I don't think I really understood what I was doing. But I can take you to Red Oak, Texas, to the, the former First Baptist Church sanctuary, and I can walk you down the right aisle about halfway down. I can get you within a pew or two of where I was sitting when Jesus Christ convicted my heart, and I said yes to Jesus. In fact, it's so amazing to me today. I'm Facebook friends with a pastor, James Shinrock, who was at the end of the, at the end, you know, in the Baptist church, they play just as I am. And you walk down there and you give your life to Christ. And when you give your life to Christ, then the church come by and shakes your hand. I can take you there. I know where I got born again, uh, but I really began my Jesus journey where I really started focusing on following him in my junior year, between my junior and senior year of high school, uh, when uh, one of my, gosh, a number of my friends uh, just uh, got, they became a nosy pepper to me. I'm going to wear this one out, but some of you will still laugh. Anybody not know what a nosy pepper is? That's somebody that gets jalapeno business. See, Lars heard it 20 times. She still giggled. I like it. Everybody say jalapeno business. I had some people get jalapeno. I don't work in that, that way, but there are some people were nosy peppers in my life. One particular friend who, who met me on the 50 yard line in football practice and we were, we were taking a break. He said, Sam, uh, I'm going to pray over your life. You need to get committed to Christ and start following him. Man, it irritated me, but it got under my skin. Then my, my speech teacher, Kay Farish, She's my Facebook friend. See, these people made a difference in my life. We're still friends. We connect with one another. And she was my speech teacher. And she did this in the hall before school one day. We're all hanging around the door waiting for the bell to ring. And she's, and it was like E.F. Hutton. I don't know if they still have these commercials, but you know, when E.F. Hutton speak, everybody stops. And she said, Sam. And it seemed like everybody in the hall, up and down the hall stopped and listened. Uh, and she said, I'm praying about your commitment to God, God, God. I thought everybody, oh my goodness, she's praying, everybody's praying. And then it wasn't long that I found myself in a little retreat center, Mount Lebanon, is that what it called? It was a Baptist encampment that we, some of us um, kids had uh, under the my speech teacher's tutelage, we had a little retreat and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and my life turned upside down, inside out. And I came out of there, said, I'm going to follow him every day of my life. I started my Jesus journey. And all of us need to get on the Jesus journey. Sadly, everybody's saying, hmm. Sadly, there's a lot of people that just want to get Jesus to follow them. 
and get us out of our messes and fix this and fix that and do this and do that. How many of you know Jesus is not your homeboy? Come on, he's the Lord of glory. Could I get a better amen? And he's not going to follow you around, but he will let you follow him. And so I want us to begin this series, and I want to look at this follow him factor for a little bit. And if you want to turn to two passages, you can turn to Matthew 4 and Luke 5. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reference Matthew. Uh, I'm going to look at Matthew 4. So if you're there, you can turn there now. But I looked in Matthew, and really I think this is all the difference. Uh, in, in, there's at least five. I've got five here. Five places where Jesus told someone, follow me. Everyone say, follow me. It's the, it's the Jesus journey that he's inviting people to take with him. He said, follow me. Everybody say, follow me. And so Matthew 4, verse 18 and 20 is uh, uh, the, the, in, the illustration uh, where the disciples is really the beginning of their walk with God, four of them. It was Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and then two other brothers, James and John. And here it is. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, ca- casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them, and immediately they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. Everyone say, follow me. Now, we'll look at Luke 5 in a little bit, because each of the Gospels, the, the, the writers of the Gospels have a little different slant on this. I love Luke 5. It's more uh, zeroed in on Peter, and we'll look at that in a little bit. But four fishermen, he comes along as he begins his ministry. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left all, and they followed him. And then Matthew 8, verse 19, it's, a, it's about a scribe and another disciple uh, and he, he invited them. He said, he said, you just gotta follow me. Uh, and, uh, they, they wonder, well, what do we have to do to follow you? And, and so he shared that with him. Matthew 9, Matthew the tax collector. Uh, in fact, the author of this gospel under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the tax collector. How many of you think the tax collector ne- needs to get born again? Amen. And he did. He left it all and followed Jesus. And then in Matthew 16, uh, he's gathering the disciples together and he talks to them about the need to follow Christ and basically says, you've got to lay down your life. You've got to give him your life. In fact, he said in verse 24, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Somebody say, amen. And then the last one was Matthew 19, where Jesus interacted with the, what, what is called the rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler <coughs> said, I've, I've obeyed the commandments. Uh, what do I need to do to be, be a Christian, basically? And he said, well, in your case, uh, you need to sell all you have and give it away, and then you come and follow me. And it says the rich young ruler went away sorrowful because he had much possession. Everyone say, follow me. So undoubtedly, Jesus is desirous for us as his people to follow him. Not, a, not him follow us, but we follow him. 
Not a part-time Christian, but a full-time Christian. Learning to follow Christ full-time, 24-7. And that's what we see with at least uh, three or four of these issues with the disciples and with Matthew, the tax collector, and with the four fishermen, uh, and, and possibly even the scribe and the other disciple in Matthew 8. They followed him. They left something. And that's what I want you to see this morning. And that's where we need to begin as we look at this Jesus journey. When we look at these five examples, there's a common thread. There's a common denominator that, that flows through each one. And I would encourage you, uh, in fact, uh, go back just for me, just right. I said comment and you're right on time, but go back. It, I would encourage you, if you're not taking notes, take a picture of that right there. Take a picture of it with your phone and just say, I'm going to look these up and I'm going to read them later. I'm going to read these stories uh, more detailed. Uh, in fact, you could then g- uh, go from uh, one to the next gospel and read the next gospel's take on these uh, times where Jesus encouraged people or commanded people to follow him. Uh, and so when you do that, uh, and now you can move along if you want, you'll find a common denominator, a common thread uh, through each of these follow me factors. Uh, illustrations. And here it is. Drum roll, please. He's not there. The common denominator of every one, bar none, the common denominator of every time Jesus challenged someone to follow him. Everyone say, follow me. The common denominator was sacrifice. Everyone say, sacrifice. You see, Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, they gave up their livelihoods. They gave up their lifestyle. It seems on the spur of the moment, they left all and followed him. The scribe and the other disciple in Matthew 8, 19, which I didn't read for you, but just referenced, they they were to give up the security of their life and the security of their livelihood and their families. In fact, one, he told the disciple, hey, let the dead bury the dead. This disciple said, I, you know, I need to go back and bury my father. Now, it doesn't say he was actually dead yet. I think what he was saying is, when my old man kicks off, I'll come follow you, but I got to take care of my daddy. And when I get, when daddy, you know, he's, when, when he, when he kicks off, then I'll come follow you. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. You come and follow me. Everyone say, follow me. And so it was sacrifice. And then Matthew, the tax collector, some, some, uh, Biblical scholars believe that Matthew, the tax collector, walked away from at least a, mil, a multi-million, the equivalent of a multi-million dollar job to just simply come and follow Jesus. What would cause someone to do such a thing? And then we see the disciples, you got to lay down your life. Everybody say, lay down your life. He said, you got to lay down your life. If you want my life, you've got to lay down your life. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's sacrifice. And then when we get to the rich young ruler who had great riches, Jesus knew his hang up. And he said, well, let me tell you where you need to start. Go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you come follow me. And he went away sad with a drag jaw, with a, with a draggy lip because he, he had much possessions and he was not willing to do what? Sacrifice. So let me just say to you today, let's get this straight. Let's lay the premise of what it means to follow Jesus 24-7. It's going to cost you something. There will be a sacrifice. There's always a sacrifice. 
And when we serve Him, there's things that we have to lay down. And as these, every one of them laid something down or were required to lay something down, even so all of us, just like he said to the disciples, we got to lay down our lives for him. There has to be a sacrifice. If you want Jesus to be the Lord and the leader of your life and you follow him 24-7, if you want to get started really good on this Jesus journey, you need to realize that there always will be a cost and a price. But as we'll see in a few moments, there, it's, it, there's nothing compared. Isn't that the words of that song? There's nothing compares. What's the phrase? Help me. What? Nothing worth more. They'll never come close. I'm telling you. Everybody say it's worth it. Look at your neighbor and say it's always worth it. Say it's always worth it to follow Jesus. It really is. So we need to understand that. Now, these, let's just look at the first one, Matthew chapter 4. You can go back there. We'll reference it basically. But Matthew chapter 4, these four disciples, what would motivate four Fishermen, two sets of brothers, on the spur of the moment. I'm telling you, it seems on the spur of the moment, but as we'll look in Luke 5 in just a few moments, it, it wasn't as spur of the moment as you might think, but there was a, there was a defining moment when Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men where, where Peter and the others, they made a decision and a choice to lay down their nets to leave their boats, leave their families, and come and follow him. What would cause some guys to do such a thing? They were just doing their job day in and day out, and they met the master, and then something radically changed in their life. Well, maybe they were just discontents. Maybe they were tired of the life they were living and need a new adventure. Well, that's possible, but not probable. We see in David's day when he needed help, in his early ministry, the, uh, he rallied around him what is later called his mighty men, and they were all the ones who were in debt, discontented, and had troubles and traumas in their life. And so there are people who will join something just to give them something to do. But I don't think that was the case with these guys. Something different about their moment with the master. They weren't just malcontents or discontents. They were with family, and this was their lifestyle. Their lifestyle had been passed from generation to generation. They were plugged in, relationally connected, financially responsible. And in a moment, they leave it all and begin to follow Jesus. Who, by the way, he told, he told uh, the scribe, he said that in Matthew 18, 19, you need to understand something, I, I don't even have a place to stay. You're going to follow me? I don't have a house. I don't have a job. I don't have resources. I don't have cell phone. There's no internet, for goodness sake. So you got to understand, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to sacrifice. What would cause these guys to do such a thing? Well, it doesn't reveal it in totality in this passage. But in Luke chapter 5, well, before you turn there, let me give you two other. When you look at Jesus' interaction with these disciples in other places, we find out what cause them to be able to make such a choice. How many of you want to know? Whew, I want to know. Well, in John chapter 6, you can turn there if you want. I'm going to hit it kind of lightly, but I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture that uh, that will, will help you understand 
why people are willing to lay it all down and follow Jesus. In John chapter 6, Jesus begins to preach a hard message. I mean, it's, it's a toughen. He begins to talk about, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Everybody say, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Now, how many of you, if somebody started coming preaching that to you, uh, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You something in you go, now, wait a minute, we need to talk about this. And they, and they, and they couldn't, many of them couldn't understand it because it was a hard saying. But what was he saying? What was he referencing? His death, burial, and resurrection that he was going to die for them and that his blood was going to be sacrificed for them. He wasn't talking about cannibalism for goodness sake. He was telling, talking about you're going to have to partake of what I have to give and offer to you. And that is my death, burial, and resurrection. I'm going to lay my life down for you and you're going to have to embrace it and take it. And they didn't understand that. And the Bible says in John 6, it says, from that time, many of his disciples, not just followers, disciples, followed him no longer. It was too much for them. They couldn't get a grip, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and they left him. You know, Jesus was never preaching too many feel-good messages. Most of his message had to do with sacrifice and laying our lives on the altar. And he, he preached this hard saying to them, and it says many left him. And then when he left them, it says, verse 66, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, he said this, do you also want to go away? Man, this is not a great just as I am message. He's running people off by the hundreds. and Looks at his twelve and he says, do you also want to leave me? And it says this when he answered, but Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, where else can we go? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. He said, and we have come to believe and to know. Now, here's the, here's the secret to sacrifice. What would cause four fishermen to lay it all down? What would cause Matthew to lay it all down? What would cause anyone to leave it all and follow him? It's the reality of who you're following. And we see here, Peter knew exactly who he was following. When they said, he said, you're going to leave me too. He said, where can we go? You're the only one that has the words of life. And we've come to believe and to know you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Listen, when you get to the reality that these disciples get to and you realize Jesus is really real. He is the son of God. He did die for me on Calvary's cross. He, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He, he did rise from the dead so I could have new life. And he is inviting me today to follow him and to lay my life on the altar of sacrifice in his behalf, listen, that changes everything. When you begin to know who he is, the Lord of glory, the Son of God has invited me to follow him. OMG, what other choice is there? Because he's certainly not going to follow me. 
But he's invited me to follow him. Now, fast forward over to Matthew 16. If you remember, uh, Jesus asked him a question. He asked his disciples a question. He said, uh, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some think you're Elijah. Some think a prophet, one of the prophets. But he said, well, who do you say that, that I am? And Peter piped up. Everybody say, Peter piped up. He didn't peck, pick a peck of pickled peppers. He just piped up. Peter piped up. And he said, well, this is a no-brainer. It's not, that's me, but. He said that, remember, he just said earlier in John 6, we come to believe and know you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So now Jesus is asking him again in Matthew 16. He said, uh, who do you say that I am? Well, it's a no brainer. You're the Christ. You're the son of the living God, for goodness sake. And he said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. In other words, who did? The spirit of God. Now listen carefully, what happened to those four fishermen there when they were sitting there washing their nets? And oh, by the way, in Luke 5, we find out, and we'll look at that in a moment, that they had a bad day fishing. What would cause these, well, that's it. They just had a bad day and they said, to heck with this. No, by the Spirit of God, you listen to me. By the Spirit of God, it was revealed to them that they were standing in the presence of the Christ, the Son of the living God. And if he says, follow me, what other choice do I have? I'm out of here. And so, when you think about the sacrifice, it seems significant. But understand something, when the revelation of who Jesus is begins to hit you, you think, whoo, man, he's invited me to follow him. I'm special. Amen. So, with that in mind, let's look at Luke 5. Are you, Luke, are you in Luke 5? Let's let, let's let Peter kind of lead us here this morning. I'm going to break it down uh, for you by looking uh, at Peter in Luke chapter 5 because he's kind of the, he's, he's really uh, the ringleader of this whole thing. He's the ringleader of the revelation of who Christ is because we see it in Luke 5. It's really, it really defines Peter's uh, call into the, into the ministry, and we, I've looked at this. We've preached this 101 times, but I'm going to read it quickly for you, and I'm going to give you some thoughts that Peter, some things Peter did and Peter understood that caused him to come to the place when Jesus gave him the opportunity that would lay it all down and follow Jesus 24-7. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you, Pastor. Here we go. Let's look at it. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and they were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Let me just say, it's a good day when Jesus gets in your boat. And let me just say, he, he probably needs to be in our boat today. He got in Peter's boat and he, sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, somebody say nevertheless. Let me just say, just because you had a bad day doesn't mean, a bad night doesn't mean you're not going to have a great day. Woo, when Jesus gets in your boat, a bad night can turn into a great day. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. 
And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so after, the, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were uh, partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And so when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Wow. I love this story. As you can tell, let me show you some things from Simon because he's the ringleader of this bunch. Some things that I believe uh, factored into this follow me factor with Simon that when you look at his life, you know, this is what happens. This is how it happens when people have the invitation to follow him. And how can they make such such sacrifice? Number one, everyone say Simon knew. Everybody say Simon knew. Now, this is not in the story. It's historical. Every Jewish guy who had been raised in this environment knew some things about the Old Testament. They knew that the Old Testament had prophesied the Messiah's coming. They did. In fact, when Jesus came, most of the Jews missed it because they were looking for a king. They weren't looking for a baby in a manger. They weren't looking for some insignificant little uh, 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 baby in a, in, in a, a way in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They were looking for a great king and a conqueror. And, and Jesus didn't show up the way that they thought he would show up. And so the Jews missed it when he came. Even though if they had to look to the Old Testament prophecies, it's so clear as a bell. In fact, did you know the Old Testament prophesies he'll be born in Bethlehem? In fact, some theologians have logged in over 350 actual Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. And many of them, and most of them, Jesus has already fulfilled. In fact, when you read Isaiah, there's so many prophecies. Here's one for you. He was wounded for our transgressions. This is in Isaiah. This was a long time before Jesus was born. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastity that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed I'm telling you every Jewish Old Testament and they made them learn the law how many of you know these guys knew in the Old Testament they had been hammered in them the Messiah is coming And so before Jesus, pardon me, before Peter ever met Jesus there by the lake that day, he had something on the inside of him that knew that someday Messiah is going to show up. And we're watching for him. And so Simon knew. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think that ought to teach us today? Well, let me just say, the church today needs to know something. We need to know that Jesus is coming again. I said he's coming again. We need to know that. Simon knew some things about the Messiah that maybe others had forgotten. He knew the Messiah was coming. He had a lifestyle of learning in his life that said, Messiah is coming one day. Messiah is coming one day. And all of a sudden he's in the face. He's in, Messiah's in his boat for goodness sake. And the Spirit of God began to stir in his heart through the preaching of Jesus and the teaching of Jesus. And he realized, I'm in the presence of the Son of God, the Christ, the Son of the living God. But he, and, and I believe what he knew about Jesus and about the Messiah put him in a place to be able to 
see him when he came. And for us today, Jesus is coming again. I wish I had time. In fact, Matthew 24 and 25, we looked at it in depth earlier in the year, but listen very carefully. Jesus kept saying, you better be ready. You better be ready. I'm coming again. I'm coming again. What are the last couple of, uh, what's the last read uh, in Scripture? Revelation 22. He says, behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Behold, I come quickly. Understand something. We as the church of God need to learn. Hey, if we're going to follow Jesus 24-7, there's some things we need to know. And one of the big things we need to know is not only that he's the Christ, the son of the living God, but he's coming again to planet earth and the scripture says we need to be busy about his business following him fulfilling his kingdom purposes everyone say simon knew number two simon heard what did he hear verse three he heard the word of god it says that Jesus was in his boat and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And my friend, understand something about the power of God's word in our life. When we hear what God has to say. In fact, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active and sharper than in any two-edged sword. Listen, this was what, this what caused people to begin to follow him. This is what caused, uh, 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 Kimberly and Lindsay and Hope and others to just say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to follow him. They heard the word of God and the Bible says the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and has the capacity to pierce deep within the heart of man to discern between good and evil it's the power of God's word and Peter heard the word that day he heard what God had to say he heard what Jesus was saying in fact Jesus throughout his three-year ministry on earth he was always saying this he who has ears to hear let him Everyone say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. How many of you know, some people hear, but they don't really hear. You know, there was evidently, there's probably other people who heard but didn't hear. But there was four fishermen who heard and had ears to hear by the Spirit of God. And they began to realize, man, this is God's Word. This is the Spirit of God moving in my heart. Amen. Now, fast forward just for kicks to Acts chapter 2 and 3, where Peter has, is filled with the Holy Spirit. The church is being birthed. Peter gets up on Pentecost and begins to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's preaching what he has heard from Jesus for the last three years. And the same word that Jesus preached to them, he's getting up and, pre and he preaches the gospel. He says, this same Jesus which you crucified is both Lord and Christ. And it says this about the multitudes. When they heard this, somebody say, when they heard this, who I love this. When they heard this, it says they were pierced. In other words, the word of the Lord pierced their heart. It means in the, in the Greek, Greek to pierce through thoroughly. It says they were cut to the heart. They were pierced through thoroughly. And they said this because of what they heard, what pierced their heart. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What must we do to be saved? It's the power of God's word. It'll pierce us through thoroughly. Sadly, a lot of people don't get pierced through thoroughly. They get a little prick. How many of you remember the inoculations? The, the, the what do they call them? 
Vaccinations. When I was a kid, scared the wajibis out of me. They had a machine that had five or six little needles in it. I don't know what it was. Was it smallpox? Smallpox. And then school, they'd come, big silver thing, and the nurse, you know, would look at you. You better hang on. It's going to hurt you more than it hurts me. And they just, I mean, this big, and they'd stick it up to your arm and go, clack! And, you, and you'd have a big sore. You know what it was? They gave you just enough of the disease to keep you from getting the real thing so you would become immune or inoculated. It just pricked you. Sadly, a lot of people have just been pricked with the Word of God, and they're trying to get Jesus to follow them. It doesn't work that way. When you get pierced, when the Word of God pierces you, Simon was pierced. When he was pierced, the Bible says, uh, that he left it all and began to follow Jesus. Then we see, in response to what he heard, Simon said. Everybody say, Simon said. Now, what did Simon say? Simon says, no, Simon said. Simon said this, we fished all night and caught nothing, but here's the kicker. Nevertheless, at your word. Everybody say, at your word. In other words, the word of God went contrary when Jesus invited him to go out into the deep and let down his nets for a catch. It was contrary to all that he had learned and all he knew, but he had been hearing the word of God, and he said, nevertheless, at your word, we'll let down our, we'll do what you say, we'll go out and we'll let down our nets for a catch. You know, what Simon said revealed that Simon believed what he had heard. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, faith comes by hearing God's word. Everybody say, faith comes from hearing. So you need to understand something. Simon knew some things about the Messiah coming. He heard the Messiah speaking and he responded to the Messiah in faith because he believed what the Messiah, the Christ had said. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll do whatever you, whatever you want me to do. Because what was happening? He was beginning to realize he's in the presence of Christ, the son of the living God. And he believed so much so that he obeyed. You see, when you believe, a lot of people say they believe, but they don't obey. Let me, let me just tell you something. If you believe, you will obey. Everybody say, if I believe, I will obey. And Simon said, he believed what he said, referenced the fact that he believed. And then when the net breaking boat sinking load came along, we find out that Simon saw. He said, when he saw that, that supernatural multiplied supernatural boat sinking load his eyes were opened and he saw something what did he see he saw the christ and then we see that when 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 the revelation was made manifest in his life hey and let me just say this is why simon was able to say in matthew 16 and even in john 6 in john 6 where can we go you have the words of life He'd experienced it. And we've come to believe and know. Everyone say, believe and know. That you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Here's the day he began to believe and to know. He saw the evidence and he saw it. And it caused him to do the next thing. Simon fell. Everybody say, he fell. He fell down at Jesus' feet. And he said, depart from me, O Lord. I'm a sinful man. 
Listen, when Jesus gets in your boat, it's hard not to realize you're not as righteous as you think you are. When Jesus began to make himself manifest in your life, because he's the light of what? He's the light of the world. And when his light shows up in our life, we see who we really are. And Simon fell at his feet, and, he, and that was his day of repentance. He said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. He realized that he had needs in his life that no one but Jesus could take care of. And he fell down before God. He humbled himself, and he got honest with who he really was. Listen, if you want to follow Jesus 24-7, you and I have got to fall before for him and get honest with who he is and get honest with who we are and realize we need him in our life and we've got sin issues we got hang-ups in our life we need jesus to come and help us and we've got to repent and we know simon repented because it really means a turning and a going a different direction and simon fell before the lord and then we see simon left it says in verse 11 that he left his nets. He left the boats. Now, here we go. Let me just say this. The secret to sacrifice, I've already inferred it. The secret to being able to sacrifice is not in what we sacrifice. You know, the boats and the nets were the same level as Matthew and his tax collection business. They gave it all up. But the secret is not in what you give up, it's what you gain. Now, now this is where sacrifice starts making sense. And it's sad to me that a lot of people look like the rich young ruler and they go, uh-oh, no, I don't know if I can do that. I got much possessions. We got to realize, hey, that's all going to melt with a fervent heat. And the Lord of glory, the, the eternal one, the one that will lead us into eternity and, and who's the beginning and the end of our faith, and he's the one who's saying, if you'll lay down this, I'll give you myself. And so why was it so easy? For these guys to lay it down, they realized who they were talking to. They realized that, hey, though I'm sacrificing, there's great gain. Somebody say great gain. Paul the Apostle said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind, and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Those things which are behind me, all the accomplishment, all the good things, all the, all the things that I've attained to, it's nothing. It's of no value to me. I'm, I'm, I'm laying it all down that I might gain Christ. In fact, it says of Jesus in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising or, 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 and, 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 and despising the shame. He just endured it all. Why? For the joy set before him. You see, the secret to sacrifice and laying it all down is not found in what you give up, but what you gain. How many of you know if you had in your hand the temporal things of this life, all you needed Listen, we spend all our life trying to get it all and can the rest. Get all I can and can the rest. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. How many of you know God wants to bless us? But listen, if this, if I got to let go of this to gain eternity with Christ in heaven, what sense does it make to hang on to that? None whatsoever. So sacrifice just makes sense. Tell your neighbor, sacrifice just makes sense. Now, and finally, and we're going to close, 
Simon followed. He followed. Now, the cool thing about it, and this is what most of us don't understand, many don't understand, Simon didn't follow blindly into the abyss of the unknown. Were there question marks in his life? Absolutely. But understand something. He wasn't just walking blindly into the darkness. No, he was walking head up, eyes open into the light of God's purpose and plan for his life. Jesus came along and gave him a reason for being. He said, if you'll follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll give you a reason for living. I'll give you something that'll help you and not only help you, you'll be able to help your family and friends. You'll be able to make a difference in the world. And that man, that makes all the sense in the world to Simon who's wanted to help he's wanted to do he's wanted to be a blessing he got the high call of God on his life and he just began to follow Christ into the destiny of God it's not walking off a cliff man it's walking with the one who created the cliff he's the Lord of glory he's the creator of the universe he knows what's best for you and if you want to walk with Jesus 24 7 we got to be able to lay it all down and embrace the call of God on our life and know that everything in this life is only temporary. Everybody say it's only temporary. In fact, Peter, you know what Peter said in the book we're studying his letter to those who were scattered because of the persecution in Jerusalem? He said, you need to understand something. This whole earth is going to melt with a fervent heat. We're going to have a new earth and a new heaven where righteousness dwells. It just makes sense to follow Jesus. Let's stand together today. As we close this service, as we begin this series, I sense the same call of God that came to these four fishermen, that came to Matthew, that came even to the rich young ruler and to the scribe and the other disciple and the tax collector. Jesus, the Lord of glory, the Christ, the Son of the living God is simply saying, follow me. I'm not going to follow you, but you can follow me. So today, as we come to this place, I sincerely pray that each of us would look at where we stand. Let me just ask what you're holding on to today that would keep you from following Jesus. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. We won't tarry here long, but I certainly want to give an opportunity for all of us to make some real choices today. There's two kinds, really three kinds of people here today. One, people who are lost, who don't know Jesus Christ in their life. They're not born again. They don't know for sure where they're going or where they came from. They're just lost. Like a sheep. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray and we've all turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then there's people who have, like I did, you've given your life to Jesus, you've asked him into your heart. You're born again, but you never started your journey. And then there are people here today that are in the middle, smack dab middle of their Jesus journey. Doesn't make us perfect, it just make us, makes us know that Hey, he's the Lord, the Christ. So wherever you are today, Jesus wants to encourage you. If you're in the middle of your genius, Jesus journey, hey, Jesus said, come on, keep following me. If you're a Christian, but you've never really plugged in, you've tried to get him to follow you, but he's not working, he's not cooperating, you realize, I'm not really following Jesus today, you can turn and begin to follow him. 
sacrifice, lay down whatever you got to lay down in order to follow him. And he'll give you, just like he gave Peter and these disciples and these fishermen, a whole new reason for being. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ today, I'm going to lead you in that opportunity. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask this. If you're here today and you know you're not a Christian, you've never really asked Christ into your heart. And today you can say, Pastor, I want to know for sure that if I died today, I'd go into his presence and live with him for all eternity. If that's you today, you can say, I want to know that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Pray for me. If that's you, lift your hand wherever you are and just wave it a little bit. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else, lift your hand. I've got two, maybe three. Uh, Amen. I'm going to ask you right now in just a moment, we're going to pray for you and we're going to ask Jesus to come into our hearts. We're going to lead you in a prayer. You'll be able to know that you know that you know him. Finally, if you're here today, but you've never really, you've given your life to Christ, but you've never followed him. You've never begun to serve him. Today's your day to lay down whatever's in your hand and take up his will and purpose for your life. Now with every head up, every eye open, look at me. In this room around you, there are three kinds of people, as I said. Those who are in the middle of their Jesus journey. Those who are born again but never really started. And then there's those that have have never really been born again. There's two or three people lifted their hand here. And they said, I want to ask Christ into my heart. And so if you lifted your hand and said, I want to ask Christ in my heart, we're going to pray together. All of us are going to pray with one another out loud. And I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. Listen, here's the gospel. Jesus died for my sin. He paid the price for your sin. See, we all deserve to go to hell. Did you know that? All our righteousness is His filthy rags. But Jesus died for our sin. He was buried in a borrowed tomb, the Bible says, and three days later He rose again. He's not there. He's alive. So we could have newness of life. So we could have a new life in Christ. That's the gospel. And the Bible says if you believe that, you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Amen. So let's bow our heads one more time. And as as we pray this prayer, if you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray. Everybody's going to pray. You pray it out loud. If you lifted your hand, pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me on the cross. For letting your blood be spilled for me. So my sins could be white as snow. Forgive me of my sin, Lord. I invite you into my life. To be my Lord and be my leader. I believe that you died for me. That you rose again. So I could have new life too. I believe you, Lord Jesus. And I invite you into my life. From this day forward, I will endeavor to follow you. I will endeavor to serve you. I give you my life in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Let's give the Lord of glory some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Woo, thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to do something when we close. I see Josh here. I see Jim here. We're going to go. They're, they're going to be at the close of this service right over at this table. 
If you prayed that prayer, don't go out till you go over there. When you go over there, let me tell you what they're going to do. They're going to get some information from you. They're going to give you a, 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 a brochure that says, now that you are His, it's, I think, 10 steps of things you need to do. One of them is just like what Lindsay did, be water baptized. And they read your Bible and pray and plug into it, those kind of things. And so if you, lifted, if you lifted your hand and said, I need Jesus in my heart. Listen, what you need to understand today is that if you walk out these doors without some of a little help, it's like a baby trying to go out and live life without any help and support from around you. So we want to help you as you begin to grow in Christ. And today's very important. So at the close of this service, if you lifted your hand and you prayed that prayer, make your way over there. They'll get some information from you, give you some information, have a prayer with you, welcome you into the kingdom of God, and get you moving in your walk with Christ. Is that fair enough? Everybody said, that's fair enough, Pastor. Amen. So you do that now. For you that want to begin your Jesus journey, all we have to do is do what they said. I'm just going to lay it down. Some things, let me just ask you one more time, what's in your hand that you're hanging on to? What are you hanging on to? Well, I got my will, my plans, my dreams. If you'll just let go of that, that'll give you the capacity to begin to follow Him. And I want us all today, as we leave this place, to just say, Lord, I'm letting go of whatever would hinder me from following you 24-7. Let me just say, it's not worth it. Whatever we hang on to that keeps us from really following Him, it's not worth it. It'll keep you from His plan and purpose for your life. Father, we just choose to let go of whatever it is that would keep us from following You 24-7. And Lord, it just makes sense to follow You regardless of what we may have to give up. Lord, whatever it is that would keep us from Your plan and purpose for our life, we just let it go. I want everybody to say, Lord, I let it go today. And I take a hold of You. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Paul said this when he was talking about letting go of the things. He said, he said this. He said, you know what? Uh, I'm letting go of that so I can get a hold of him. I want to get a hold of him like he's got a hold of me. Amen. Well, it's been a great day. People got saved today. If you're here today and you're searching for a church home, we need a church home. We need family. How many of you thank God for family? We need family to love us, pray for us, and we can help and, and undergird and grow together. We need one another. Jesus was a local church man. He birthed the thing, and he wants us to build the thing. He's the builder. We just come along as his uh, co-workers and co-laborers in Christ. If you don't have a church home and you believe that this is where God would have you and you got the divine okie-dokie and you believe I'm your pastor, I want to encourage you to head over there as well and just say, hey, listen, I believe God has spoken to me that Church on the Rock North is our church family and we want to plug in and get involved and begin to grow in Christ if that's you I want you to head that way too and they'll help you out along those lines as well everybody love the Lord say amen how many of you believe today's a good day let's give the Lord some praise today hallelujah